Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. When you think of Las Vegas, you always think about gaming, but there's a lot more to the casino industry than just going in and trying your luck on a slot machine or at the tables. There's a matter of how does that work? Do you want to work there? There's just a lot to it, and we've got a great company that you need to check out if you were really interested in this industry. It's called Vegas Aces Services, and we've got the CEO and founder, Heather Ferris. You can see her all over Twitter. She puts out some great stuff. Heather, uh, welcome. It's fantastic having you on. You've been in Vegas Thank for you. a while, right? I mean, you grew up uh, you grew up there and so forth. Is um, yep. Was the casino industry always calling you? Um, Yeah, so I was born and raised in Las Vegas, been there for 40 years. I guess I'm showing my age. And it's funny because when I was a child, and excuse me for anyone who's a dealer out there, I would look at casino dealers and I would say, no, I want a real job. That's not a real job. I want a real job. What are you talking about? So, no, it wasn't actually a calling. It was sort of something that I fell into. You've done a lot of stuff in addition to what you've done there. Haven't you uh, taught over at UNLV, I believe, and and worked with some consultants and so forth? Yes. So I am an adjunct professor at UNLV. I teach the fundamentals of land-based casinos. And it's it's a great job. And I also do consulting as well. Typically, we consult table game inventors. So if you invented a new casino table game and you're trying to get it onto the market uh, in the casino, uh, we would help you with that. Yeah, it's really cool. So let's we'll, we'll do it backwards. We'll start with the inventors. I think that's really cool because you know a lot of people have these ideas. Boy, this game would be great in Vegas because you could bet on it and it would be fun. What do you guys do? Do you go through it first of all and see like, okay, does this even make any sense? And then if it does, <laughs> what are the next steps? Yeah, so there are a few guidelines we try to hit uh, before we let's say, approach a casino and try to sell it to them. Uh, First thing is, when the casino inventor comes up to me, I typically ask him, uh, can you explain your game in between 15 and 30 seconds? We are looking for a simple game, not a dumb game, but we don't want anything complex. If it's hard for the players, if it's hard for the dealers, the game's never going to make it. Um, So there's that. And then we also try to... We do like an elevator pitch, which everybody needs an elevator pitch. And the thing we try to do is we say it's a mix between this game and this game because the person already identifies or associates with those two games. They already know those two games. So it's a lot easier to pitch a game to someone when you could walk up to them and say, hey, this game is a, let's see, what would be a good one? (laughs) Now I have to think of a game. Um, (laughs) This would be a mix between roulette and big six. 
Okay, well, you know what roulette is, you know what big six is, automatically you understand the fundamentals of the game in less than like five seconds. So if you're an inventor out there, you kind of want to go after something that's associated either with blackjack or poker, something that they'll instantly take somebody and then it's like, all right, now here's a little variation on that. Correct. That is typically the ones we see with the most success. If you come up with a game that is very obscure and... Um, I'm thinking of several games, but I don't know if I should say any of their names. That probably (laughs) wouldn't be good. Um, But basically, if I walk up to the game and it takes you 30 minutes to explain it to me and I'm still walking away like I have no idea what to do, uh, it's not going to work. It's not going to make it. No, that makes total sense because, I mean, I think people sometimes are scared of like Backrap, for example, which isn't all that complicated, Mm -hmm. but they just don't want to learn. I mean, at least like Blackjack, you go in there, you know what, 21, and then it's just a little variation on what the rules are. (laughs) Right. And it's really funny that you mentioned that because there are some games that would never make it in today's market. If you look at craps, for example, um, if someone came up to a casino with a game like, hey, I got this great game. It's called craps. There's a million different ways to bet. It's really confusing. You know, it's going to take you a while to learn it. You know, it's definitely a winner. Most casinos would be like, are you kidding me? No, we're not putting that game in there. Um, So, and the reason why Craps is so so successful, the reason why it is in casinos is because these games have been around since the dawn of time. Like Craps is a uh, evolved version of Hazard that was around in like the 15, 1600s. So it's, uh, yeah, so they have staying power. It's, it's, It's something that people have, we've evolved with as a humanity, as a society, Mm -hmm. and that's the reason why they're in casinos today. Um, But if you try to, let's say, create something like crafts where there's an insane amount of bets, that would never make it. Well, you know, and it's really interesting to me. I've been going to Nevada. I've always enjoyed it. You know, I never was a big player in terms of lots of dollars, but I always like to play around. And I remember, you know, when I first got into it, there were some basics there. You could always find blackjack. You could always, you know, craps, roulette, those things. But I've noticed uh, in the 21st century, we're seeing more and more of these like variations. When I say variations, it's still blackjack, but but now it's another way where we'll have one of the cards up. Or you'll have something where you play the 22, all these different weird things. <laughs> but do you find, because you also help players, do you find that unless you're really into this, that's kind of hard because... All of a sudden, your strategy that you've been practicing and practicing now goes out the window because the rules changed. Um, I, I, I disagree with that. And the reason why I disagree with that, and let me give you, um, let me give you a different example that might put it more into perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marvel movies, okay? There are a million different Marvel movies. Why do you need a million different Marvel movies? I mean, it's insane, but there's variations of them. Mm-hmm. There's several different variations. And the variations are basically for people who love the game, but are bored with the monotony of it, and they want something different. So when you help players, right, I like video poker. I know, you know, a lot to the purist, that's like, oh, you're playing on machines, but I like it. But it's one of those things when you're used to a particular thing that you like, there's all those different games. It is really hard to go into a, you know, jacks are better or... uh, you know, a wild card, you know, deuces are wild or something, just because it's so much different. 
do you think pe- people just can easily make the switch? Or if somebody really wants to get good at these things, should they pick the one they like the best and try to stick to? What do you recommend? I think it's a personal decision. What do you have the most fun with? Uh, again, gambling should be done for fun. Not to pay your bills, not to pay your mortgage. If you have a phone bill you have to pay, please don't go to a roulette table. Um, but it, it's fun. So what do you want? What do you prefer? If you're there just to make money, uh, then I would suggest going a different route. Um, hard counting, for example. Uh it, there's there's different ways to do it depending on what your objective is. But you know, you mentioned card counting, and I remember oh when I first got into blackjack, you know, in my youth. So I read this book, the Million Dollar uh, Blackjack Player. You know, this guy he was a, a statistician from back east and so forth. You go through what you have to do there, and that's no longer fun. That's a job and a hard job at that. Exactly. Yeah, it is a really hard job. Um, I used to be a casino casino dealer, and we would have professional players on our table who were there every single day. Uh, I mean, I worked nine hours, you know, Uh, and they would be there before I got to work, and they would be there after I got to work, and sometimes they would be wearing the same clothes for multiple days. Um, It's stressful because when your rent is due on the first and you're having a bad streak, there's nothing you could do to change that. Um, So it's a very stressful job. And the thing about card counting is the card counting, believe it or not, actually made the casinos a ton of money. And I know there are a lot of casino managers out there that sweat the money and they freak out about card counters. Um, But the truth of it is, is most people who try card counting and excuse me if I offend anyone, uh, they're not very good. <laughs> so they end up wasting a lot of money and the casinos get that money. So it's actually very profitable for casinos to have card counters in their, their, their casino playing, you know? Um, yeah. And the smartest casino managers that I know are like, yeah, bring the card counters in, sure. Let them play, have fun. Cause, because they know only 1% of those card counters actually like know what they're doing yeah exactly and you always hear those stories and i always thought the casinos kind of put that out there to make it kind of exciting but people wearing disguises and stuff you have to be pretty good because the other thing is even if you are good and you you can win you got to be able to have some day where oh i dropped forty thousand dollars and not go crazy i mean it's a job so that isn't a bad day it's just a day right (laughs) Exactly. Part of card counting, part of being a good card counter is managing your bank and starting with a very large payroll. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that. They think, oh, I could go to the table with $5 card count and I'll leave like in an hour or two with like a million dollars. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes a good movie, but not necessarily real life. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. One thing I really enjoy about Vegas Aces is this idea of training dealers. And that's something I really wanted to ask somebody about that. So you've done it. You help people learn it. I had heard, first of all, and tell me if this is true or not, that the uh, people that hire prefer people that don't know anything so they can just teach them their method. Now, is that true or is that just legend? No, that's actually correct. 
So you'll see casinos, um, not in Las Vegas so much, but more in like the Midwestern uh, part of America, Eastern part of America. Uh, Casinos have their own training. They have their own classrooms and they'll hire people who don't know anything. And they hire based on personality. I always tell all of my dealers this. You are being hired for your personality. You are being hired to, you know, have a good conversation with the player, to keep things going, to, you know, connect with that person on some kind of level. Because when players are at the table and they're talking with their friends, the hours go by like it's nothing. You know, and you end up spending a ton of money, which casinos love. If you're on the table and you hate your dealer, you're going to be there for 10 minutes before you leave and say, you know, F this place, I'm never coming back. Right, right. And, you know, it's one of those things. There's nothing better than playing there, especially if you're playing like late at night and you have somebody, a dealer, who's just very nice and you can talk about where you grew up or whatever game was playing or whatever. And it does pass the time. And you will go back. I know a lot of people that look for their favorite dealers. They want, and that's what bring, breeds all that loyalty. You know, it's something beyond just exactly. a loyalty card, right? <laughs> exactly. You, yep, exactly. And that's and going back to what we were talking about before, that's why people they just bring people in based on personality, based on, you know, how they are with other people. Are they, you know, um, are they a people person? Are they talkative? You know, are they willing to bring you in and you feel comfortable with them? Those are so much more important than can you multiply 35 by five and add, you know, 17 plus eight. Which is important, but honestly, you could teach people that. You could yeah. teach anyone that. Well, I was going to ask you about that because experienced dealers, I mean, it's always amazing to me. You know, you have all these different chips and so forth, and they can do it. I, I pride myself on being pretty good with numbers, but these guys just can look at it and boom, you know. And I, I is that just yeah. come from practice? Is that where that comes from? Yeah, so there is a lot of at-home practice that players don't see. The dealer has to be at home for hours, not only practicing the math, but also uh, muscle memory. They have to practice handling the cards, handling the checks, you know, cutting checks properly, uh, being ambidextrous. So it's really uh, good for dealers to be able to use both their right and left hand. And dealers have to practice that um, hours and hours. Like I, when I started learning crafts, you have to be ambidextrous because you never know what side of the table you're going to be on. So what I started doing was when I would eat cereal, instead of eating with my right hand, I would try to eat with my left hand. Um, some dealers would try to write with their, you know, non-dominant hand just to try to get that, that going. So there is a lot of work outside of the casino. Yeah, that's really cool. And then that makes a lot of sense. You know, a lot of these games, you know, you talk about craps, you talk about blackjacks. There's a lot of rules and you have to know those rules. I guess there must be kind of a, a fine line or, or a window where you want to enforce those things. You have to. At the same time, you don't want to be like always like, you reminds me of Catholic school growing up where they smack your hand, you know? I remember that. <laughs> ah! So, you know, is there like a middle area there that, uh, that you try to teach people? <laughs> I don't know about a middle area because I actually knew a craft dealer who would take the stick and whack people on the hand <laughs> if their hands were in the, the craft area while the dice were out. So I can't say exactly there is a middle area. A lot of gray, a lot of white. There's the scale, of course. Um, you know, casinos don't want the dealers yelling at the players. They don't want the players to have a bad interaction. And if anything happens where it starts to get to that point, 
That's the reason why boxmen and floor supervisors are there. So they come over, they handle the dispute, they're really professional, they, you know, keep it together. And we try to, as dealers, give the player the most friendly and professional environment possible while they're still losing a ton of money and are frustrated and angry because that's what happens when you lose money. <laughs> How about dealing with beginners? I always think people at the casinos are great because they, they seem very patient with people and so forth. And they really do try to t- try to help you because obviously if you're having fun, you're going to stay longer. It is part of the dealer's job to teach players. And I think that's where that came from when I created uh, Vegas Aces and the YouTube channel and the videos because I was teaching people how to play the games and dealers. The first thing they tell you when you're a dealer is uh, you got to learn how to play the game. And if that means sitting at the table and putting $20 down, you're going to learn that game a lot faster when your money is on the line than you are, you know, if you're just at home watching a video. Is the experience any different for somebody, say, that they're going, like, to the strip? So they're going to play pretty much high limits, that kind of thing, as opposed to, like, maybe downtown, some of the older casinos where it's loud, it's a throwback, there's a lot less cash on the table. Is it is that something you have to deal with, or does it, is it the same experience across the board? Well, it's not the same experience across the board, but it's also not the same people across the board either. Um, Some people really thrive in a a really loud, chaotic environment where there's a lot going on, uh, while other people don't, and then vice versa. A lot of people thrive in the quiet environment where there's not as much going on. So it really just depends on the person. Some people, I guess, are made for a loud, you know, kind of raucous uh, thing, and the other has this quiet sophistication, or at least that's what they hope to give that image, you know. I think we all have our James Bond moments where we want to go play craps, and, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's one of the things that's really nice about Las Vegas is uh, we have over 150 casinos in the area. Yeah. So there's, you're going to find something that you like. Well, one last thing then, for people that come to Vegas, that's one experience, the tourists. There's also the locals, and the locals are a big part of that economy. I mean, there are people, do, the, do the dealers handle them different at all, or is there a different feel for when, you know, somebody that's going to be there every month, maybe every week, uh, does that even come into play? Well, you're you're absolutely right about that, where there are two different types of casinos. So you could work on the strip where it's tourists and you have new people coming in every single day. Or you could work in a locals casino off the strip and see the same faces every single day. And sometimes that's really nice uh, because you make friends. And you end up seeing your friends every day. And you sit there and you literally just shoot the you know, just playing games all day. And it is the most fantastic job in the entire world. But then again, if you're on the strip, you see the most insane things you will ever imagine. So it depends. <laughs> well, and one other thing, you, you know, you're, you, you've looked at it from the academic point of view. You teach it, you play it, you've been in Vegas and so forth. And now we see, and I know this isn't part of what you do, but we see this unbelievable run to sports betting. I mean, it's going to get to the point where literally you can bet almost play by play. 
And I just wonder, do, is that a good thing or a bad thing for casinos? Because it's now some somebody that's a sports fan in New Jersey can sit at home and bet all day, which is a scary thing. But uh, <laughs> what's your thoughts on that? There's good and bad in both. Um, I, I'm, I feel bad because I'm not giving you a definite answer for any of this. <laughs> and I'm realizing this as we go along. Like, I haven't actually, like, given you a definite I apologize for that. We'll get you into um, politics. No. You know? That's <laughs> smart, you know? <laughs> it, it, it really depends. Um, I just – I read an article the other day where they were talking about this exact thing, and they were saying that people who uh, do sports betting, yes, it's good because you could bet anywhere and at any time, um, and they're able to bet on their phone and their app. However, the casinos have seen some problems with this, where people are sitting in the sports lounge watching, like, the sports game in a casino, like, let's say, in Casino A, but they're using Casino B's app to make purchases or to make, you know, uh, their their bets. Uh-huh. So here they are hosting them and giving them like free beer and whatever their promotions are, and they're not getting the money. So um, it, it really just depends. That's a great answer, actually. I never thought of that. Uh, yeah, and, and I can see where that could be a real problem. So you, you think that might lead to a thing like, well, okay, you can come here. But we're not. We don't want you on your like. They used to have it where you couldn't have your your phone. You know now that's all gone. But it was yeah. a time you couldn't have your phone. Uh, you, do you see maybe something like that happening? You come into the sports bar. That's all fine. But you got to make your bets here, and you know. This is a problem I believe casinos are still trying to figure out because you can't police people on their phone. You can't go up to them and be like, "Hey, you're not using the right app. Get out of here." <laughs> like that's just not something you're. I hope a casino would never do. Uh, if they do, I probably would never go there again. But um, it, it's not easily enforceable is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I'm going to give you a question. You're going to probably not give me a straight answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you do this. You've been everywhere. I mean, and, and I really – we're going to tell people how to go to the website and so forth. It's really worth your time. But – do you have a place, if somebody's coming out first time to Vegas and they kind of want to play around, but at the same time, they're not going to be betting big money and they, you know, they're going to have a little learning curve. Is there a place or two that you think would be really good that's really particularly good for those people? Mm, yeah, I do. Um, any, oh, because now we're naming casinos. Let's see here. Uh, you know what? I would just say go to the Gold Coast. Um, the Gold Coast is a really good casino to learn games. Uh, that is a locals casino. It's right off the strip, right across from the Rio, really close to the uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. And it is, uh, it's one of those places where it is a break-in house, if you don't know what that is. It's where they teach dealers how to deal, basically. I'm not there at the casino, but it's where new dealers basically break into the industry that's great uh, that's that's great advice yeah. and, and you know i mean we always, we're always looking for that kind of help and that's what the site offers it's vegas-aces.com and it's a great website and you know how, how is the best way to people people to get a hold of you and, and one thing they'll notice when they go through your website is there seems to be like the whole mission uh of the organization is, you know, really trying to help people and try to, and they, you know, you, you love the city, you love the uh, the business, but you're trying to help people and have have them enjoy this. 
Yeah. So uh, we try to help players learn new games, also how to um, not get... I don't want to use the word suckered, but how to use the house edge properly would be a better way of saying this. So that way it's helpful for them. Uh, We also teach dealers how to deal the game. We also teach table game inventors uh, how to invent their game and then market their game to casinos. Um, We are a marketing company. uh, So if you are interested in marketing your game to a casino, we do felt layouts, rack cards, uh, logos, business cards, whatever you need to get into the casino industry. Uh, We also give you like a a step-by-step for how to get in there. Uh, as well as like a list of people to contact. And then we also, um, if you just need a website, if you need a logo, anything like that, we can help you with that as well. I really recommend everybody go out and take a look at Vegas-Aces.com. And even if it's not for you, you probably know somebody that it would be perfect for. So, Heather, thank you so much. We really hope we can get you on again. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again.